we had gotten to a point where everything was just-in-time inventory. I think one positive that came from the supply issues is that now the market is going to have an insurance policy in place. An adjuvant is going to be anything that you add to your tank mix to help increase the efficacy of that pesticide. Our tank mixes are so much more complicated <laughs> now. Welcome to the MFA Made for Agriculture podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Jones and Cameron Horine. Well, morning, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Made for Agriculture podcast. My name's Adam Jones. And I'm Cameron Horine. And uh, Cameron, we're back today with, with kind of an off-season uh, podcast. I know we, we took a little break there. We did some um, some videos and some podcasts with our agronomists over over the growing season. I thought those turned out uh, really well, actually, and, yep. and got got kind of a current pulse of, of current conditions on the landscape kind of across our, our trade territory. Uh, now that we're working through harvest, um, actually in some places uh, trying to wrap up harvest, um, figured we'd kind of go into off-season mode and, and kind of talk about some of the things that uh, are pressing on growers' minds or just things that maybe we should be thinking about uh, during the off-season. Um, for that, we've got our experts in the room with us today, uh, because I'm certainly not that. <laughs> so uh, we've got Jordan and Taylor here today. Why don't you guys uh, just go ahead and introduce yourselves, and then we'll kind of go into what we want to talk about today. Yeah, I'm Taylor Denigman. I'm a product specialist in the crop protection department here at MFA. I've been with the company almost two years now. Um, I manage our adjuvants, foliar nutrition um, products, as well as others. Gotcha. Thanks for being here, Taylor. Jordan Tomlinson, so I'm Senior Director of the Seed and Crop Protection Division. So oversee both of those divisions, just managing the procurement specifically on the crop protection side and then just overseeing the seed division. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sounds good. Now, like I said, I appreciate you both being in here today. Um, Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Jordan, you've, you've been here before, so a, a hardened veteran, right? That's right. I'm a professional. <laughs> if you do something more than once, right? That's right. Uh, so I think um, what we want to talk about today for sure is is uh, get a good conversation in with Taylor about, about adjuvants. But I think kicking it off, the best thing that we can, the thing I want to catch folks up on was the last time you were in here, the, the crop protection market, I think, looked a lot different than it currently does today. Uh, we were either in the middle or straight post-COVID, maybe, um, and, you know, the world was ending and glyphosate was $100 a gallon and uh, all those kind of things were happening. So I guess uh, from there, how do we get to kind of where we're at now? I know that market has settled back down a little bit. So um, maybe maybe take us on that timeline a bit of kind of what happened and, and then the pullback that we've seen and uh, what your thoughts are for kind of where we're at currently. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's a fun one to take. And <laughs> whatever I say is probably going to be incorrect six months from now. That's sure. one thing that we learned through these Absolutely. whole supply issues is uh, when I was here, when the, we, we couldn't get technical material, transportation uh, costs had gone We couldn't get technical material, transportation costs kind of. It was a mess uh, across the board, issues. so we had to it pivot. Was kind of, it was a mess across the board, so we had to pivot. Uh, we were able to continue to supply our customers. It wasn't always the flavor that we wanted, but you know, I feel like overall we did a good job um, supplying. Things look completely different now. Um, for the better, especially for our producers, um, prices have started to go back to more... Uh, normalized. There's not as much panic in the market. Um, you know, one thing about the crop protection market, and maybe it's this way with plant foods, and I just don't know it, probably is. Um, we we all operate on, we're either way too long or way too short. It doesn't seem like there's ever any middle ground. And so if you think about where the market is today, most things are really oversupplied. So we're working through all of the extra stuff that we ordered when things were tight, 
Um, some of that is a, is a cost that's higher than where we'd like it to be. Some of it has gotten lower. But uh, for the most part, things feel a little bit more normal. So I think from a grower's perspective and from our sales team's perspective, it's going to make it easier to make decisions with the grower. Uh, cost per acre should be more in line. Sure. So all of that's good. Um, you know, one thing that is always a fear in a market that's oversupplied is you don't want that pendulum to swing too far. And you don't want people to say, well, I know there's plenty of product. I'll just wait and see what, how cheap the prices get before we buy. Um, if we do that, when it's time to buy that product, we may not have it available. So we have seen just some small little backlogs, mostly on logistics. Um, when we got to fall burn down season, because a lot of us didn't purchase products because there was inventory available, we didn't know what the price was going to be. When it came time to order, what usually would ship in a week maybe was taking two or three weeks. But we're working through those. Uh, shouldn't be anything that affects our field sales, but right. overall things do do look better. Uh, we had a great season. Uh, last year, we had a great season the year before, and this year it looks like we're set up better. Uh, interest costs are top of everybody's mind. Um, we've got some really attractive JDF programs out in the marketplace uh, on crop protection and on yep. seed. You know, we're trying to make sure that we understand what our growers' needs are, and I feel like it's not sure. supply anymore. It, it's really how can we partner and make sure that we're thinking about that cost of money. And so, um, Absolutely, yeah. and I, I think... From a younger producer standpoint, that's something that we haven't had to um, really haven't had to deal with in the marketplace. You know, uh, capital and that cost of money has been cheap for yeah. enough years that you're capturing a a subgroup of producers that really haven't dealt with um, with you know eight, nine, ten, eleven percent operating lines. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, you know, there I think there'll be some there are and will be some lessons learned over the next year or two. And, and you're right. Um, I think most folks are looking for that partner that, that can help them um, <clears throat> through a market that is so capital intensive. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, so would you consider where we're at now to be uh, air quotes, you know, normal, I guess? Um, are you, you feel like we're on we're still on the decline a little bit or do you feel like we've we've kind of come off those highs and have essentially leveled back out to where we the marketplace can sustain most values for you know you know crop protection materials from the large uh, companies out there today yeah so despite my hairline uh, right. making me look much older and wiser than I am, <laughs> uh, you know just in, in my time in this business where you see in these import reports and you look at these market trends it really does look like we're probably close to a low as far as replacement cost for these products um, a lot of that is because of that oversupply. But if you go back four years ago, that was kind of the norm where we operated on. Mm -hmm. Crop protection margins are typically pretty small um, overall between suppliers and manufacturers. Sometimes it's a little bit more at the retail level. But I would say we're somewhere where we're probably going to be for the next year or so. Um, I think what we'll see in the market is maybe some retailers that um, don't have the size or the financial backing, you know, they're going to struggle through this kind of market when margins are lower and interest costs are higher. It makes it tough for them to operate. You know, we're lucky to have a good group of producers, a good group of management, a good group of people in the field. Um, we have a healthy balance sheet that's going to help us weather these lows over the next year or so. Right. Um, what about kind of the industry as a whole? Did we, um, now this is a deep question, but did we learn anything from COVID and kind of that the, the crop protection market swings that we had, like, did the industry learn anything? Are there going to be changes to production or distribution of some of that technical? Have you seen any of the major players making some of those changes to, I guess, 
um, you know, better be prepared for the next event like COVID that we don't know is coming? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that what we saw is we had gotten to a point where everything was just in time inventory. Our manufacturers had just the right amount of technical material, just the right amount of packaging material, because it was so easy to go source that just in time when they needed it. I think one positive that came from the supply issues is that now the market is going to have an insurance policy in place where they're going to make sure that they have a blanket or maybe they're multi-sourcing technical material, multi-sourcing packaging materials. We've seen companies, uh, a lot of our manufacturers start moving more formulation to the U.S., which okay. I think we would all agree is a good thing. Sure. You know, we're going to be relying on China and India to get technical material, but the more we can get that manufacturing here in the U.S. and own that, um, it's going to make it better for the market. Yeah. I mean, I and we, and I think we can collectively trust our infrastructure and the way we move things around the country a lot better <clears> than uh, shipping things from overseas. Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah, the more of that that we can do here, I, I would think the better. So, great. Uh, anything we missed on the on the market side of things, Jordan? Um, anything else you want to mention before we kind of dive into uh, a little discussion on adjuvants? No, I think that's really it. I think that's that's kind of the update today. And one thing I'd say is, um, again, who knows what the future holds? Uh, but we do have the right group in place that watches that. Um, we're part of a, a good buying group mm -hmm. of twelve other um, independent retailers in the U.S. And so we have a good network. The more information you have, the quicker you can make the right decision. So, sure, I feel like we're set up uh, set up for success. Sure, gotcha. No, I appreciate that update. <clears throat> so, Taylor, we we want to kind of dive in today, and I know you manage kind of the adjuvant part of our crop protection uh, portfolio. <clears throat> I don't think that adjuvants or surfactants or spreaders or whatever somebody wants to call them is a, is a new term. Uh, certainly, out there in the landscape. But it's something that uh, folks are likely not uh, super duper familiar with, right? Um, we can kind of get, um, we can really get down in the weeds pretty easy on the AI ingredients and corn herbicides and soybean herbicides. Um, I, I have found in the landscape, I guess, less folks that are extremely well versed on the adjuvant side of things. So, um, I guess hit us first with kind of, um, you know, what is an adjuvant and kind of why were they developed and um, why are they such a key part, I guess, also, you know, of the crop protection space? Yeah, so adjuvants, um, it is a pretty broad term. You yeah. know, it encompasses different classes, but essentially an adjuvant is going to be anything that you add to your tank mix to help increase the efficacy um, mm -hmm. of that pesticide. And so with that, you can have activator adjuvants that kind of help um, get the herbicide into the plant, mm -hmm. um, spray modifier, help reduce drift, different um, water properties that way, and then also compatibility issues you can use adjuvants. So it's a broad term, um, but kind of understanding what's going to fit best with your product is really going to make the difference in your applications. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's important also, not only what is going to work best with the product you're using, but also what our target issue that we're going after right mm -hmm. sure um you know sometimes we have to modify those adjuvants depending on that what is what what we're going after like if we're going after a weed like in range of pasture if we're going after common mullen which is super hairy leaf we're going to maybe have to adjust our adjuvant mm -hmm. for that combating that compared to if we're going after something that has a really waxy cuticle too so that's where these adjuvants really play a role um in being able to break down those layers from that aspect yeah so I think Cameron alluded to a little bit and kind of dove in and good transition, Cameron, because I was going to ask why there are so, like, why are there so many different products, right? I think, 
and you know to the to the layman I guess who mixes their own chemistry from time to time or whatever you know I, I feel like uh, these products get lumped when maybe they shouldn't get lumped and you mentioned the different number number that that are out there on the marketplace and how they all have a, a space but um, but kind of why so many and where'd that come from yeah so like Cameron said you know a lot of it is going to depend on you know your target issue what you're going after a lot of pesticides now do have some sort of adjuvant recommendations, kind of what works best with them, but a lot of times it's pretty broad. So it's not just going to depend on what um, your target issue is or what products you're spraying, but also environmental factors. What's your target weed? You know, is it normal growing conditions? You may be able to get away with a less aggressive adjuvant, um, but if you're in drought um, or different things like that, and the plants are really putting on those extra waxy cuticles, putting up those extra defensive barriers, you may have to go with a more aggressive product to help get in there and get the job done. Yeah, I think, I think, and we may, we may go into this, but I think another piece of that is, is, is not only that, but our tank mixes are so much, they're so much more complicated <laughs> now than they used to be, right? That's it used true. to be, go out, you get a thousand gallon tank of water you throw in the roundup and that's what you attack the weeds with right mm -hmm. so we throw in a little bit of dawn dish soap in with it hey that's going to help out that that was our adjuvant right well now we're going out with three four five six different products in that tank some have acid some are basic we've got to have something that's helping make sure those are mixing right and so compatibility agents is also a big piece that falls underneath this adjuvant um, just when we're thinking about those tank mix components as well so gotcha and so um you know i guess thinking on the side of of the actual chemistry or you know of the actual products those are all regulated by the epa you know we always talk about read the label and all those kind of things um they you know dictate what is available to the marketplace. So how's that work for adjuvants and, and how they kind of pair with, with that chemistry? Yeah, so that on the adjuvant side, there really isn't any regulation in the market. Right. So there's, there's a lot of products out there. There's a lot of claims. Um, you know, it makes it hard, you know, when you see a lot cheaper product, but you have to realize without any regulation, you want to make sure that you're getting what you pay for and that that adjuvant's going to get the job done that you're needing. So sometimes, that more attractive price, you may not be getting um, necessarily what you need in that. And at MFA, you know, our private line of adjuvants, we we pride ourselves in the high quality. They are going to be more expensive, but they've gone through testing. We know that they're going to work and get the job done. So we really stand behind that and the products that we carry. Sure. Yeah. So on that, Taylor. So you know, we have like an NI one of our NIS products. It's it's a ninety ten. It's a ninety ten. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Um, can you kind of go through, you know, what has, what has to constitute that 10% of that adjuvant and, or that 90% and how you can get a, like, like we said, what, what necessarily has to fill those as to why it's the wild west and, you know, you don't necessarily have to lay out what's in there from that piece. So like, cause like on that piece, right, 10% needs to be the NIS, um, but the other 90% could be, it could just be water or it could be a mixture of water plus oils or whatever that may be, right? Yeah, so, you know, when you see products 90-10s, 80-20s, um, non-ionic surfactants, that doesn't necessarily mean that 90% is gonna be your true surfactant content. Yeah. So you really need to be careful with that. 
and look mm -hmm. into what is your true surfactant content and is it that meeting um, you know the label recommendations like a quarter percent volume by volume of surfactant yeah those are certainly things that you got to take into consideration like you know when you're going to purchase a product but also you know, when you're looking at the cost difference, I think you also have to look at, you know, what would a respray cost you to, you know, because I mean, honestly, these, you know, not to put words in your mouth, I don't feel free to follow up or please do. But, um, you know, they are designed to minimize the amount of active ingredient that we have to put out there um, and, you know, maximize the efficacy of that product. So, you know, when we look at, at cost differences, you know, a, a small amount of some sort of spreader or activator adjuvant whichever one um, can certainly increase our weed control or, you know, decrease our need to respray or spray some additional chemistry. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's great pesticide um, chemistries and technologies, but adjuvants help kind of bridge that barrier to get them into the plant to get the job done. Um, like we said before, getting through those waxy leaf cuticles, getting past the leaf hairs, you know, anything like that. So we have to make sure that they get into the plant and accomplish the goal. Right, right. So, you know, we mentioned, um, we kind of talked a little bit about the, uh, and I think it, it came up in our discussion before we turned the mic on today, kind of the profit versus agronomy discussion. You know, um, I guess this for e either of you, uh, what's your thought process like, or kind of what's your process as you look to bring a new product on um, or, or something like that and, and add it to your line of the ones we currently offer? So I'll, I'll jump in first because I have very little to say because okay. Taylor is the, <laughs> Taylor, Cameron, they're the agronomy people, you know. Sure. So I think one thing that we have here is a good checks and balances system to where my job is to see where do we get the most return on investment. I look at it from a number standpoint. You know, the tricky part is with adjuvants and surfactants, it's not always numbers because if it doesn't work, to your point, and you've got resprays or uh, if your customer's not going to be happy with the product, you're not going to buy it anymore, then it doesn't matter how much profit you made on it. Mm -hmm. So um, somebody said or mentioned that it's the Wild West. It's an unregulated space. Um, there's several people that come in to the office. They want to meet with Taylor. They want to say, hey, we've got this next great thing, this all-in-one adjuvant. Um, so there, we have a standard process in place to make sure that we vet those because if it's not regulated, you have to kind of self-regulate it. So uh, that's my spill just from a, a profit standpoint and the way I see it. I know Taylor has more as far as what that process looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of vendors that come in, but um, we, we really pride ourselves on working with um, quality distributors um, as well as putting it through the agronomy testing. You know, we have a great agronomy team here who puts products, lots of products into testing every year. And we want to make sure that it's not just us taking their claims for what they say they are, but actually seeing it ourselves. Is it going to work here um, the way that we want them to? So we definitely make sure to vet them and make sure we're going to send out quality products to our folks. Right. Right. So this space can be fairly confusing, Taylor. I think that goes from an industry standpoint and certainly goes to the the private applicator, you know, mixing his own sprayer or whatever. Um, you know, what resources are out there? You know, what resources do you recommend as far as um, helping somebody to choose the right adjuvant and kind of the right product line for them? Yeah. So um, with it being unregulated, you know, there's there's been a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of claims. Um, and honestly, there hasn't been a whole lot of educational um, research done in the past. There's definitely some great resources out there. 
the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology, CPDA, um, they have some great webinar series out there that walk through kind of the history of adjuvants, how they got founded, different products available, um, and break down the different classes of adjuvants and how they're gonna work. Mm -hmm. um, they're actually starting a new series, um, a five-part series coming up this year talking about um, compatibility issues, um, drone applications as we move to those smaller tank mixes, adjuvants yeah. are gonna be more important than ever to help get that efficacy. Um, and the vendors that we work with, we're really lucky that um, the people we work with for our adjuvants, they help train us on the products that we're buying and provide educational resources. And so we work internally to do training with our agronomy and sales folks to make sure they understand the products that they're selling and they can help kind of guide the growers as well. Um, to make sure that they're getting the best adjuvants for their situation and accomplish the goals that they want. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's something I was hoping that you were going to hit on because um, I feel like you guys do a great job putting resources out there for, for us or for the MFA staff uh, to be well-versed, right? And um, I, I think a lot of folks look to that trusted agronomy advisor for everything, uh, this being one of them. So, um what are some of those things that you guys have put out there? I, I know there's the management chart, there's some stuff in the magazine. Uh, what other resources have you guys kind of thrown out there, both for us and in our producers? Yeah, so we have um, an adjuvant chart um, that was updated last fall. It breaks down um, each of our adjuvants that we offer, um, the different properties, you know, does it have um, a surfactant in it, a humectant, breaking down those different properties so you can kind of target, you know, what what are you looking to accomplish and then what in our lineup is going to help you get there um, that right now is an internal resource breaking that down and on there it also has um, competitor products so if somebody comes in and asks for a certain product we can kind of say what in our portfolio is going to meet that need that we have yeah. um, we also have a new adjuvant um, resource that was put out in the magazine and is available on the website it kind of breaks down each of our adjuvants and gives a small description of you know what it contains what um, the goals are when you're using it what it can accomplish so that would be a great resource um, both internally and externally to better understand each of our products and i think taylor's been a little modest on some of this because one one new resource that i think is really nice to have mm -hmm. is um, taylor's done a video and I, I know it's been shared on social media um, i think it's on our website or will be on our website if it's not yeah. but it's um, just kind of a quick almost an elevator speech of here's what the adjuvants are, here's what they do. Um, you know, one thing about being a, a member-owned cooperative too is these resources that we have that we use internally for our sales staff, there's no reason that can't be shared externally. Sure. We have things like the agronomy guide that are going to have uh, information about those adjuvants in there. We have this adjuvant guide. Um, Taylor worked on an app with the agronomy team uh, that they have where they can pick a herbicide or a fungicide and it's going to tell them what adjuvant we have in our portfolio and the rates on there. Um, the video is also on there. So we're really trying to make sure that we're pushing that stuff to our team. And in a perfect world, that agronomy team would have those resources, be comfortable with them, and then share them with the grower. Maybe they have a grower that's doing their own self-applied and we're providing the chemical. You know, having those resources is valuable and that's what can help set us apart. If we want to partner with the customer. Sure. Um, that's a perfect way to do it. Yeah. When should somebody make that adjuvant purchase decision. I guess my, my thought is never never buy the chemistry without buying the adjuvant or making sure we've got the adjuvant to go along with it. Is that what your guys' thought process is too? Yeah, um, that's the time to be thinking about it when you're looking at, you know, why are you buying 
that um, chemistry, you know, look at what pairs with that. So, like we said, it's important to read the label. A lot of or a lot of pesticide labels are going to have some sort of adjuvant recommendation. Sometimes they're required adjuvants that go with them, like Sharpen. It requires um, an MSO to go with it. So, being aware of that too, you know, what's going to be required, what's going to help you um, get the most out of that pesticide. And then just as importantly, you know, reading the label to know what doesn't mix with this. Because like Cameron said, our tank mixes are getting pretty complex. You know, have a good understanding of what's going to fit well and what's not. Right. Yeah, and I think, I think something that, you know, Taylor mentioned it. She said she said humectant a while ago. And some people may say, well, what is a humectant? I think, I think something that's really great about the portfolio that we offer is is, is we don't just offer straight, I mean, we offer straight good products. It's just an NIS, it's just an MSO. It's just a water conditioner, right? But we have a lot of products that we've, we have it so that there's a lot of different active ingredients in there that are bringing a lot of valuable products, properties to that too as well, right? So a lot of times when we're, some of the products we're bringing is going to give us a check mark for a lot of things that maybe you're not necessarily thinking like, yeah, I know I need an NIS for this, but it's also going to have a humectant or it's mm -hmm. also going to have an acidifier or some other thing that's in there that's bringing an added value that you're getting with these products. And I think we've done a really good job from MFA's standpoint, from Taylor's standpoint, of finding products that have those that are bringing added value um, into our tank mix as well. So, yeah, that's a good point. You know, and one thing about it is you have to know what the markets look like. A good example of that would be like our petrol vape product where you know, there's a specific anti-volatility agent that's going to have to go with dicamba, mm -hmm. but you're also not just going to put that with your dicamba. And so being able to quickly adapt and say, this is what we're going to need for our extended max usage or ingenia usage. You know, right. I think we were, we were quick to make that change and make sure that we weren't, you don't want to start adding four or five, six different products into a tank no. if you can just add one or two. Correct. Right. Correct. And, you know, like on the, you know, the buying part of it, you know, as we're sitting down and doing crop plans for next year you know we kind of know what those passes are going to look like we know what you know if we're going to be making extended max you know post-emergent pass or something like that or a burn down pass you know we've got that in the crop plan we know we're going to be making that pass so let's make sure we've got the right the right product uh the right blended product to put in there with it uh to you know maximize its efficacy not running around looking for it you know the day mm -hmm. before we spray so yep yep but absolutely good stuff well uh what all did we miss on the on the adjuvant side of things, Taylor? What what did I not ask you? I guess that you wanted to make sure you wanted to make sure that you covered uh, in regarding to uh, kind of just discussing adjuvants and how they're used. No, I think it's been I think it's been a pretty complete discussion. Okay. Covered the basics. I think the yeah. only other thing that I was going to bring up, and Taylor Taylor said it was, is you know when we think about drone applications and we think about some of these other applications where yeah. we're getting to a much smaller water volume because we're trying to be more efficient from that. Adjuvants are going to play a huge role in that because we're mm -hmm. thinking about, hey, we're going out there, we're trying to either spray two gallons of water or three gallons of water. Mm -hmm. We're trying to fill the tank with all these other chemicals we have, plus our foliars that we're trying to get, our biologicals that we fit. Um, we have to, having the right adjuvant and having the right product in there that's going to help make those efficient, um, with efficacy and all that is going to be really critical, especially as we're, you know, we're trying to be more efficient in reducing our water volume and from that perspective. Absolutely. So, and as we fight weed resistance, like I, I think the trend right. of the, you know, number of modes of action that we're putting into the tank is, is not going to go back to one, you know, that's right. right. So 
I think, you know, as we move forward and, and continue to deal with more blended, even herbicide products, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to adapt our adjuvant side of things to, to meet the demands of, you know, whatever applications we're putting on. So, mm -hmm. And um, as I mentioned before, council producers and distributors of agrotechnology, um, they do a lot of work kind of in adjuvant legislation, seeing, you know, with the upcoming farm bill renewal and different legislative pieces, you know, where can adjuvants be a fit, you know, to meet some of these requirements? Maybe instead of having such um, large buffer um, mm -hmm. on things, you know, could an adjuvant help reduce that? Instead of taking ground out of production, could we add adjuvants to help reduce that drift and get that under control? So there's a lot, there's a lot of potential in the adjuvant world. I think there's a lot of great uses and just continuing to explore that and find the best fit and how we can maximize you know, our efficacy across all of um, sure. the space. Yeah. And yeah, just like I said, a quick reminder, you guys have talked about so much great stuff today, but um, you know, I read the label on, on you know, cause uh, you know, our EPA registration of a lot of these products that, that we know work and that, um, you know, save us countless dollars uh, in the agronomy space depends on us reading the label, doing things correctly, which means using the correct adjuvant that goes with it. That was an excellent point, Taylor, as far as um, just our ability to continue to use some of these products may depend on whether or not we put that adjuvant in the tank with it. Um, I understand the the uh, the tall task of, of reading through every label that, that, that you apply um, and, and being able to, to catch the right sentence in there that contains the information that you need. So uh, you guys have done some of that work for folks, and so appreciate that. So um, anything else before we wrap it up today, guys? Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Good discussion. Yeah, sounds great. Well, appreciate you guys coming in today. Hopefully this is the first of many uh, interesting topics we'll cover kind of over the off-season, uh, Cameron. And so yep. thanks again for listening to everybody today, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, appreciate you guys joining on. Thanks for listening to Made for Agriculture. Email comments and questions to podcast at mfa-inc.com.